You're listening to the iRacers Lounge Podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, Chris Scales. Hey, Mike. Greg Hectus. What up, boys? Stephen Lou Allen. How's it going, guys? And Tony Groves. Good evening, fellas. Hey, nice turnout tonight. Thanks for coming, guys. All right, well, let's uh, jump into a conversational topic to start off. Uh, Alexander Horn uh, wrote up in the uh, forums uh, about uh, a thread that was going on about, uh, you know, why series might die. Um, and and there's so many different series out there that we can run in the official uh, series with the different car and track combinations and so forth that you know eventually you know there's no participation and that's really what the threat is about and so i'm going to open it up what do you guys think why why do these series die i i think it's just we don't have enough people there's too many options well um on this post um somebody had brought up an interesting fact and this is probably one of my biggest reasons is because of safety rating like I would love to go in. Uh, well, these anniversary races were a good example. I those were a lot of fun, and I would have loved to run a ton of them, but couldn't because I would have destroyed my my safety rating and and I rating and yeah, you know. I agree. And I um, I agree, except I would say it's I rating, not safety rating. Yeah, that's that's actually what I meant was yeah I rating, but um uh, Alexander Horn actually chimed in on this thread and mentioned that iRacing is looking in to possibly separating out the the iRating for the different series, which I personally think would be awesome. Well, it's actually iRating per car, not series. So if you did it by car, car, so every time you flip from like the A car to the B car to the C truck, you would have a different iRating depending on what vehicle it is. And that's what they're talking about. And that's been talked about for years to have something like that because it makes sense, you know. It kind of is the same idea when dirt came along and they had to separate the dirt oval license from the pavement oval license. And we were afraid to run on dirt because we didn't want it to mess up our oval iRating. Uh, because we're trying to run for points in NASCAR over a 36-week season and boy, if you run dirt, it's going to mess that up. And so this is the same thing, what you're talking about, you know, run that official anniversary series, which I did and lost, I think it was 110 I rating in one of them. Yeah. Yeah. Mine was, I lost triple digits in one as well. And yeah, speaking of that, um, GRS or whatever they call it now, I mean, that's as soon as they made that its own, um, I rating, you like immediately jumped on it and had a blast running it and still do for fun sometimes. Right. I think some of the the bigger problems here with some of the series dying off is people coming in now, there's way, there's a lot of content. Like for me, over the years, when I first started, there wasn't very much. So every time there'd be an update, you know, I could keep caught up with, you know, investing in it. But it's hard to get, you know, even when I was talking with Mike this week, we were trying to decide if we're going to run our... Uh, our endurance race this week, well, he doesn't have the track. He doesn't know if he's going to spend any money on it. Like, it's just difficult with the amount of content that there is per person. Yeah, it's a nice problem to have, right? Well, yeah, it, it, it is a nice problem to have. But, in, 
like uh, Greg was uh, mentioning, like somebody just coming into the sim. I've been on for a couple of years now, but I remember when I when I first got on, I was uh, a little overwhelmed. Now I did some digging and uh, found the best course of action is like, okay, well, where do you want to go? And you kind of got to plan out your your route through iRacing. Um, but yeah, there like there's a ton. I mean, I've I've bought cars and tracks that I've 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 raced once and never touched again. Um, yeah, and if you don't plan it, then you're spending money willy-nilly, you know. And, uh, you know, if you want to be kind of prudent about it, you got to go, okay, I'm going to be an oval driver or I'm going to be a road course driver, and you you buy accordingly. Well, and it also sucks for Tony, myself, and Mike on the team here, plus anybody else. The, you know, Canadian exchange rate adds extra to our cost. Any exchange rate will cause problems. Yeah, I didn't take that in consideration. You guys got it's a little bit more of an investment. Yeah, so it is an interesting issue. Uh, I think the you know the answer is let's grow our sport, let's get more drivers involved, and you know us embedding with NASCAR is definitely going in the right direction for that. I think. Yeah, I think yeah, if you tripled the amount of people that are on the sim that's going to fix all those problems because right enough people on there yeah it's going to fill those and then you're going to want all that content you know well even look at uh today's results for the um nis open race usually there was like three or four splits at thursday afternoon at three o'clock there was one split today well it is darlington (laughs) yeah i know it's the track but i mean you don't want to have it drop off you know week by week like that right Right, that's crazy to have 33 as a max amount of drivers for, you know, uh, uh, one event in the NIS, which is usually a, the most popular one or one of the most popular oval series anyway. Well, and how many guys that, you know, when you think about it, I own all three cars, I own all the tracks for the NIS, like that's a big investment just to go through the NASCAR series. So if you're you're probably looking at probably 500 to a thousand dollars of an investment there yeah tony you, you've been building up you had to build up your uh repertoire of tracks so you had all of them right yep sure did uh bank account took a hit for that one um yeah it's 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 definitely an investment it's a, it's it's not cheap to do it um i i'm with greg i've got all all three i got the truck the b and the a car and and all all the tracks to to run the season um but that's yeah i got i had to plan it out and be careful because you know there's other stuff that well you know i'd be interested in running and you know for two reasons one you know the, the money for one and then the other is is the i rating like the the k and n car i absolutely love that k and n car um but i get a little scared to run it because if if i bite it in that race like that that's a, just a huge hit to the i rating and my I rating ain't very good as it is, um, and I'm trying to get up out of the the bottom split. So if I take that hit, man, it just sets you back so far. Well, and today I just just before I uh, after I got it on my NIS race, um, I wanted to do a 10th anniversary race, and I went in that. I finished fifth, and I still lose I rating. Yeah, I applaud the idea of doing I rating by car. I pretty much operate that way already by only running the A car and the NIS series, and very rarely do I run anything else official oval. Uh, so I basically have an I rating for the A car, 
But uh, if we could get everybody to that, and I would be a lot more open to run other stuff, you know, because I could jump in the B car, or the C truck, and not worry about it's going to affect my 36 weeks, you know, point season, what I'm trying to do in the A car, which is very hard and delicate to maintain I rating and try to grow. And so it opens up all that opportunity to run other series. And I wouldn't care about my I rating in the other ones, you know, because I'm only worried about the A. So I would run those races more. And so I think it's a good idea. Yeah, exactly. Like instead of, you know, on a night when NIS is off and we're bored, instead of going and run a car cup race, we'd run a C fixed, go run a truck race on right. the track that we're actually racing that week. Yeah, or it would maybe... make sense. Go ahead. Sorry, Greg. Uh, for me, I'm I'm terrible at short tracks, and I'd, and I'd love to go race more short tracks so I can start getting good at it. Um, but, yeah, and if, if I had a separate I rating for those, you know, those cars that specifically run those short tracks, um, I would User be much disconnected more inclined from your to, uh, to go race them. Now, Tony, with you saying that, would uh, this AI that must might be coming eventually... Would that help you try and go and learn maybe and, you know, and, and run short tracks more? Yes, absolutely. Heck yeah. Absolutely. And I, and I am totally 100% for this AI coming in um, for that specific reason because it's going to help me get better. It'll make practice so much funner. I mean, because you have other cars around, you know? Well, that's what, like, I, went, I was practicing a bit for Darlington this week, and I... I on me, it was on me this week why I didn't have a good finish this afternoon. But um, if I had, you know, something else on that track to judge up against, like even trying to get off the corner behind a car and, you know, turn it down the track and know what the car is going to do, that's where you're losing in practice. Right. That'll be nice. All right, let's keep moving. Chris, you got the next one. Uh, yes, yeah, so this is um, actually the closest thing I've seen to an official announcement that we won't be racing the Roval um, coming up at Charlotte, which is disappointing in my opinion. Um, yeah. But, yeah, this is a post uh, on the NIS forums, and some people were asking you know, which track, which uh, version of the track we were going to be running, and Tyler Hudson chimed in with a very simple NIS will be using the Oval. But there yeah, was don't... a post the other day that I had posted, I don't know if I actually did post it, saying that the Oval was going to be, or the Roval was going to be ready for that date. It was coming after the build. Yeah, there. I remember hearing something like that. And there was talk that they were they were inviting real NASCAR drivers up to the, to the iRacing so they could, you know, get on the track early if they wanted to. I remember that too. But boy, Tyler Hudson putting this up, that doesn't get more official than that. Yeah, it seems pretty right. cut and dry. Yeah. Well, not only that, if you, uh, I think it's on the second page. Um, there's a there's a link in like a, in a reply that heads over to to Tony Gardner, um, saying that yeah, it's it's uh, not going to be ready for this build, but they're 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 working like really hard to to try and get it out. Well, they have until next year at this point, so you know, like, who cares? <laughs> That's kind of disappointing because on on one fact that. You know, that's, you know, a track that no one's going to use again. Now, they'll probably bring it out on one of the things, but they're never going to use it until the next time that NASCAR goes there. Like, it's yeah, exactly. it's kind of a complete disappointment 
to not finish it up. I mean, if, you know, if there's setbacks and stuff like that for my racing, you know, it happens, but that's, you know, it sucks. Yeah. Yeah. They're working real fast to get it done. So we can wait 12 months to use it 12 months from now. Right. Yeah. And the crappy thing is what happens if they have the real race and are like, okay, well, this track is not what we thought it was going to be. We're going to need to make these changes. Then iRacing has to go in and scan it again, and do we have it for next year? <laughs> or they scrap it and say, you know, it didn't work. We have to go back to the oval. <laughs> yeah, we'll just go run the oval. We'll just throw restrictor plates on everything. Yeah, yeah. That very well could happen. That's crazy. Oh, well, well oval it is. Okay, Greg, you got the next one. Uh, this one's the uh, post of, you know, why we love uh, sim racing. It was a very well done video. Um, I can't... Who was it that posted it, Mike? I don't have... Uh, Sim Racing Academy. Oh, yeah. Sim Racing Academy. There we go. And uh, they did a nice, a really nice uh, video montage of, you know, of their favorite car, the groups, their teams, what they race in, and why they love iRacing. And it was really well done. It was been posted on Facebook. I think it was on Twitter. It was all over the place, uh, and even on the uh, forums and everything. And th I just want to say... You know, they did a really well done job on that video. Yes. Yes. And it, it talks about um, the emotions that you go through as you're on a team and you're racing. And, you know, one of them was goosebumps. The other one was enthusiasm. Uh, you know, sweat was another one. And, uh, you know, they have all these different things. And they're showing, uh, you know, montages of races and whatnot, mostly road courses, but also them working on setups and launching iRacing. And uh, they even have, you know, shots of the rig and that kind of stuff. Uh, I have to paint the car. So they actually show them, you know, building the paint, you know, and then that kind of stuff. So it kind of covers all the aspects of being in sim racing because it's more than just being on the track. You got to have a paint job. You got to be in a team. You got to build a set, you know, and all these emotions that happen. Very cool. I loved it. I loved it. It really pumped me up when I, when I saw it. And I think it's really a tribute video for the 10 year anniversary too. Yeah, as soon as I watched it, I was ready to go racing. That was a really well-done video. Yeah, and the graphic overlays and everything they did with the words and stuff, that you know, it was very fun to watch, and I was very impressed. So anyway, check that out on YouTube, guys, Sim Racing Academy. All right, Tony, you're next. Yeah, uh, tribute videos. Um, we got another one come up and uh this one was made by iRacing um obviously about the the 10 year anniversary talking about their 10 year journey and how they got to the point that they're at today um i uh i watched this video a couple days ago and um i i loved it i loved it. they kind of take you right back to the beginning and um tell you kind of what they were going through and how they how they got their ideas and and how they got their start um uh you know, well-produced, uh, their, their videos have just been, um, bang on this last little while. Um, what are you guys thoughts on the video? Did you watch it? Oh yeah. Uh, this is a history lesson in iRacing is what this is because it's the founder, David Kamer, who's the tire guy, the tire, tire guru, we should call him, but he's the founder of iRacing. He founded the company with, uh, John Henry from Roush Fenway Racing. 
and the Boston Red Sox and whatnot. And anyway, John goes through and he, I mean, he's talking about all kinds of, or excuse me, Dave, uh, he's talking about how he built this uh, product, you know, how it started as, you know, NASCAR, you know, Grand Prix Legends and NASCAR 2003 and whatnot. And they bought out the remnants or the code, the base code of that software and took it and ran with iRacing. And it's been 10 years and it's a nice tribute video, but it gives you a good history really of, of where iRacing was and and where it is. And towards the end, you know, they even show their champions like uh, that they've had in the peak over the years. And that was kind of neat to see Tyler Hudson up on the stage, you know, getting his check, his big check. And, and then they show, you know, uh, you know, Hutu getting in a real race car and, and other people uh, that have been able to do that. And uh, it's really interesting. I, I thought it was a great video. Yeah, it was really, it gave me a, a history lesson for sure. There's some stuff there I didn't know. And a, a very young Ray Alfala in that video. <laughs> well, right. And they went from, you know, from the history, and then they showed the future at the end, where it's going. Wow. Yeah, that was impressive. The day-night transition. And the day-night transition looks like it, it's definitely going to be a game-changer, or sim-changer. What's interesting that I didn't think about really was the cloud, the, the the cloud cover that moves that, you know, go, you know, is blowing from one way to the other. It really does show that. And I guess I didn't realize that day night would be part of that. I was going to say with the way that that's looking and the way that all that stuff's operating, you're going to see a lot of really low end graphics cards go on sale on the used sites and people trying to get all those high end graphics cards going. Yeah, can you imagine how much it's going to change the tracks? I mean, we already have tracks now where one end, uh, you know, the corners going in one end of the track will be completely different because of shade, you know, caused by the bleachers. But now that shade will be moving you know, throughout the race. It's, that's going to be really cool. Well, and it, and the other thing was is a track like even this week, you know, we could have a transition from afternoon to nights like it's supposed to be. Right. And same thing with, like, Bristol and Richmond and all those plate races that go from – and a late afternoon into the night. Yeah, good. Yeah, good point. And we've seen um, this week at Darlington what a huge difference ten degrees in track temp can make. Well, yeah, and that would be. Could you imagine the race setting it up and then having to figure out what you're going to do to change it through mid race? Yeah, you'd it have could, to learn how to make those changes it on would the fly make, to be successful. Yeah, and it would make a lot of people. You know, there'd be some comers and goers depending on what the track temperature was. The quality of the day-night transition and the the reflections of the sun and all that are top-notch. I'm just blown away by what I'm seeing here. It looks really good. All right, so Tony, what else do they got for 10 years? Well, I mean, uh, <laughs> with any birthday, you got to have cake. And, you know, they, they posted up a picture on their Instagram, the happy, you know, 10th uh cake that they got to to celebrate with uh, i mean who doesn't like cake right and um well the best part about it the one that you know we all kind of get a little you know thank you for for uh you know buying in and being subscribers um every every active user got their their five dollars deposited into their account um i love free money and I'm right. sure everybody else does too does anybody realize how much money that costs them? Like, not really costs them. I mean, obviously, it'll help generate stuff, but... 
Well, that's what was it? How many active members did we say last week well, there were? Just, it was like 73,000. So, so that's your number, 73,000 times five. Which is $365,000. That's it. Technically, that is a, how much they're writing off probably on their taxes. Well, and you know what the other thing, like if you got to think of that, okay, yeah, it's $5 they lo- lose off of it. But I took the I took that five dollars and purchased a car. So would I have purchased that car without the five dollars? So they did generate some revenue off of whatever was left over. Sure, they're gonna yeah, it's gonna turn in yeah. So what is the overall take? Eventually they get that money back. Everyone will spend the five bucks, right? And sometimes it'll be more, right? Like you know, well, yeah. five bucks in, and you're you're spending eleven bucks. That's why they have the pricing exactly the way they do. They got it. Yeah, it was very cool that they did that, though. I, I think it was a good thing. Yep, the way I look at it, five bucks is five bucks, and it's five bucks I didn't have to, to put in myself, so that is just awesome. Right. Um, another big thing that they were uh, or running uh, you know, the 10 years of, of Legends, and uh, that's where you can, they were giving out $100 in... Uh, I racing for uh, credits for, <clears throat> excuse me for. Each yeah, of the ten guys. Yeah. Um, no, I think it's random. Is that how it is? Yeah. So you just run in a series, and then it, they pick ten at random, and those ten get a hundred bucks. Okay. So and that's every week for four weeks. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Um, so there's a we've got a short list of people that have won already. Um, uh, Andrew Wooten, Victor Robertson, David Wright, two, Andrew Mraz, Ed Cooper, Aaron Edgar, two, Tyson Palmquist, Guillermo Marque Alvarez, James Mallo, Ty Marasco. And if I butchered any of those names, I do apologize. But each of those guys have all uh, won $100 iRacing uh, $100 credits. So they'll get over it if they, you got their names wrong because they they got they have the credits. Yeah, yeah they can I, wipe their tears with their hundred dollars, right? <laughs> yeah. I'm just disappointed I wasn't on the list, but yeah, same here. All right, well, let's keep our, moving. So we paid our hundred in um, safety rating or uh, I rating. Why can't we get our hundred dollars credits? <laughs> All right. So next uh, was a forum post about. Uh, finish the sentence. It says, when day-night transitions come out, what are you going to do? And so one guy says, I'm going to fly my race blimp to the sun. Uh, another guy, uh, what was it? I, I have to find it. It was that really funny. The blimp one's funny because I've seen a YouTuber chase the, uh, you know, the jets that fly over sometimes. I've seen him. It was, what's it, Matt Malone? He, he uses the camera and he chases after the jets when uh, they go over over top. Perfect. Yeah, the other good one was uh, when day-night transitions come out, we're going to run Talladega at night with cup cars. In the oh, dark. Cool. In the dark. But how can... Is, I'm guessing that's not going to be... Every track's not going to have day-night transitions because it's only going to be the tracks that actually have lights that would and that are designed to be run at night, I bet. It wouldn't do every track. Are we going to have a moon model? So if it's full moon, there'll be some illumination. You know what I mean? 
it'll be interesting to see what's all going to be entailed in that because I can't see them because if you just did a track like Talladega, it would just be completely pitch dark by the time the night hit. That's what would make it fun. That was what would make it fun. <laughs> you just run yeah. until there's only one guy left. It's like throw up <laughs> some crazy hosted combination, you know? Yeah, just be just slowly get darker until you couldn't see anymore. Anyway, it was kind of a neat idea. I was thinking Talladega at night, there's no lights. Uh, you don't have lights on the cars. And maybe you're running around under moonlight or something. You just got to set your car so low that uh, the track bars drag all the way across the track so you know where <laughs> everybody is. Okay. Hammer's some, somewhere saying challenge accepted. All right, so we got to come up with a good idea, another good idea that might work uh, to do something in the dark. But All right, moving on. Uh, this is a discussion about... I went and uh, I went and ran some races. I won Delara Dash at Phoenix. Uh, thank you very much, and put up a win. And then the next race, I did pickup cup, and I started twelfth, got up to third, and I was really going to get those those leaders, man. I was feeling like another win. I had another win under my belt, and there was a guy on the apron, and he was just kind of crawling along. He was on the apron. He waited until I came by and then came right up into me intentionally. And I wasn't the only one. I went back and looked at the replay of him wrecking me. And then right before he wrecked me, he wrecked another guy, actually, intentionally. Like he came out of the pits and pulled it right up on the track and just took out whoever he could. And then half a lap later, he did the same thing to me. So I did file a rare protest. I rarely file protest. But when I get intentionally wrecked, and it's very intentional, especially when you see it multiple times in a short period, I'm going to do it. And so I filed the protest. I did have to wait the waiting period, and I was like ready to go to bed. It was kind of irritating because I couldn't turn off the computer. I had to wait to hit the submit button till like, I don't know how long, 20 minutes go by or something. But I did do it. Um, I ended up staying up, and I did push the button. And that guy, hopefully, he's gone. So I don't know how often you guys are protesting, but uh, I'd rarely do it. But I had to do it, you know, it, especially if I'm the one caught up. Yeah, you need to take the time. And when somebody's just completely out of line like that, I think a lot of times somebody will see somebody like that, and they'll just kind of – and he's probably caused – problems for other people in the race and they'll kind of be like well those other guys will protest them and then nobody you know nobody gets it done so it's definitely worth taking the time i think we had another teammate that filed a protest this week too had some rough racing well you got just, to i was sorry mike i i just don't understand i still don't understand you hear it in races all the time guys are talking and they're mad and stuff like that and they're upset they do realize that this is going to happen like you know, if you do something, there's so many replays. There's so many, there's so many people streaming nowadays. There's so many things that are going on. That why is anybody even thinking about doing it anymore? Like they can, you know, I guess maybe they can want to take a week off. But I'm not throwing money down the drain like some of these people want to do. I guess. I mean, it could be the guy's brand new. He it, maybe it's his first day. He doesn't know. He's in pickup cups, you know. So I'm not expecting much, but I don't expect to be intentionally wrecked, you know. But my my point is to everybody: listen, uh, 
if you don't police it, who will? Okay. Now I'm not saying be aggressive. I'm not saying you need to find somebody to to protest all the time. It's when it's very blatant like this. You got to take the time and do it, guys, because that's how we make this a better service for everybody. All right, let's move on. Chris, what do you got next? Um, next is an article from Jalopnik.com um, titled Rapid Degradation of Silverstone's New Track Surface Blame for MotoGP Race Cancellation. I mean, this is terrible, terrible for them. They just got done repaving like a huge chunk of this track, and apparently it's already coming up because of uh, some, uh, some bad drainage, basically, I guess. But what I don't understand is where the curse of iRacing um, comes in here. <laughs> Maybe I haven't been around long enough. Well, every time uh, iRacing scans a track, something happens where they have to change the track. Oh, okay, yeah, I got it. And they just scan. For example, oh, man, Pocono. <laughs> uh, Pocono is a good example. Uh, they went and scanned Pocono, and then I think it was uh, maybe Casey Kane spun off a three into the pit road, and like it was a bad accident, and so they ended up extending the pit road. And so that happened right after the scan. So anyway, that kind of stuff happened. So they just scanned Silverstone. We talked about it last week, I think. And uh, now they're talking about maybe they're going to have to repave it because guess what? When they repaved it, they made it too flat. And so there's no drainage at all. And so if there's any rain at all, it's like unusable. Yeah, maybe this is why they have a hard time getting to all these tracks. The tracks that don't want them in because they don't want to. They don't want part of this curse. They can't afford it. And then, uh, of course, there's a forum post where they start talking about, uh, well, when we get rain in iRacing, and then we're going to be at Silverstone. You know, are we going to have the same problem because the, the the track's too flat? You know, you would think so, right? I mean, if it was a a scan. Yeah. I would think gravity works the same way. All right, Greg, what's next? That's got to be a hard thing to to, uh, to even code is to try and code where water is going to go after it drops, you know, straight down diagonally or whatever, like, you know, on on a diagonal or whatever. That'd be really hard to uh, to code. That's going to be a long time out for them to do that. uh, Yeah. Do they have to, like, code in the drainage system, or do they just have, like, you know, water goes away in X number of seconds like it's rolling off the track? (laughs) Who knows? I remember watching a race at Road America where there was, like, a river going across the track, and they were, like, having to drive through it. I mean, that'd be cool if they could recreate that kind of stuff. It would be interesting because they they also got to incorporate where the sun's coming down on the track, what the temperature's at, you know, to evaporate it too, right? Oh, man, it's amazing when you start thinking about all the moving factors, you know. Yeah, it should make for some interesting 24-hour races once we have all this stuff. All right, Greg, what you got next? All right, so I just opened it here. This is the first time I've seen it. So in June, um, Nicholas uh, Bailey was posting about this. In June, a new CDN option, CloudFront, was available uh, for users to download iRacing, I'm guessing to speed up the... uh, the way that they could uh, download it, and yeah, the uh, updates. So, um, I guess they have a new. Is there, what I'm reading here is so you can choose uh, Limelight or CloudFront in the drop-down menu to uh, try a different way of getting your access to download the uh, the updates faster. Yep. So they're moving away from uh, 
what was called Akamai, which I think was uh, Amazon servers, uh, to Limelight, which I really haven't heard much about. So anyway, uh, if you don't do anything and you're on the default setting uh, for download, it says it will randomly assign you which uh, content delivery network you will download from when you do an update. It'll either be CloudFront or Limelight. Now you can go in and change it to be one of the one or the other and save it, but I don't know why you would want to do that. Well, how how any of you guys when you've downloaded like I had obviously just redid the system, so I've downloaded I'm guessing this is for people that start right from scratch, right? It's the biggest problem because the updates don't take near as long. But you know, once you get a, a, the first download at least if you have a, a bigger, a big file of the download, you know, saved to your system, when you load the, you know, install next time, if you have to redo a whole thing, it's only a small update instead of a full download, which is the easier way to go. But it's, I guess this is the problem for the people that just start iRacing or have to download it again because they've lost the download file, I guess. I've never had a problem myself, but apparently there are people that do. In the last year, we've seen reports of it, so... Um... But I personally have never had an issue, no matter what. All right, uh, Tony Groves, you're next. <laughs> yeah, this this one's kind of a fun one. There's uh, iRacing I uh, tweeted uh, a picture with the caption, you know, fire resistant? Probably not. Stylish? Absolutely. And, uh, well, it's, it's the pit guys uh, in the Lumberjacks and lumberjack jackets and uh um work boots and 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 jeans um <laughs> it's really really neat i mean they're it's it's good that they're being safe with the helmets and stuff um but uh is a nice little nice little play for the pit crew i was, i couldn't believe this when i saw this i started laughing out loud i'm thinking long sleeve flannel shirt with blue jeans and i i just never occurred to me that you could paint uh, the pit crew to look like that, and that's exactly how they look. They look like the lumberjacks. That's not an easy paint job to do, especially with the detail that he's put into the jeans. And, you know, getting the shirt to wrap around the body the proper way and to connect with the sleeves, it's not an easy paint job. So we started talking about on the thread was, uh, well, what would be some other unique paint jobs? And I think I came up with... Uh, uh, ballerina and then uh, what was the other one uh hazmat suit like the yellow hazmat rubber suits uh and then i somebody else phil linden said space suit which i thought would be pretty cool that would be interesting yeah i think that's the first time i've seen anybody do anything like that that's a hilarious idea <laughs> especially if you had a whole race full of guys that had all these goofy uh you know teams you have, you know, in the first stall, you have spacesuit. Next, you have hazmat suit and the lumberjacks. <laughs> yeah, if we could see all the crews, you can yeah. only see your own, but. All right, I got the next one. Uh, Steve Myers from iRacing and iRacing.com did tweet about, hey, uh, we bid and won the auction on Clint Boyer's gloves through the uh, Dale Jr. Foundation, and we want to continue the charitable cause. Retweet and comment with proof of a $5 or more donation to the Dale Jr. Foundation, and we will pick a random winner next Friday. 
I like the uh, one post in there. If I donate ten dollars, can I get ten plus or ten k I rating? Okay, but uh, wow! I mean, all you have to do is send Dale Junior five bucks, and you're in the drawing to basically win these gloves. And these are the cool looking ones that uh, have the skeleton fingers on them, so to speak. It's such a cool and and great idea. I mean. Uh... You know, to get a pair of those gloves would be awesome, but then you're also supporting a really good foundation as well. Um, and it's, yeah, it's kind of doubly so because they've already um, already bought the gloves. And, yeah, now we all get a chance to, to get our, you know, to get them for like, you know, five or ten bucks. Awesome. Hey, God, that's the race that Chase Elliott won. His went for ten grand, and they went to a fan too, I think, um um, Chase and Rick Hendrick were both bidding on it, and they got outbid by a fan. That's really cool. Ten grand. Wow. So I wonder what iRacing had to bid to get these. I bet nowhere near that. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah I don't true. think that was it. But yeah, but still, it wasn't chump. It was. It's not chump change, you know. No. Yeah, I'm sure they had to choke up a decent amount. That's that's pretty awesome. I'm sure they'll keep doing that every year. Now, here's what I'm thinking. How many people actually see this tweet? I mean, uh, it says there's 72 retweets and 359 likes. And then how many of those people actually are going to go find Dale Jr. Foundation and actually send him five bucks to be able to be eligible for these? I'm thinking it's not a lot of people. I'm thinking maybe a dozen. I mean, if this, you, your odds of winning this are probably pretty good if you want to do it. Well, they set it up. Um, so, are they auctioning those off? I know all the other gloves that he did. They they um, they auctioned them off. See, no, that's what they iRacing bought the auction. Now, what they're doing is they're saying if you give five bucks to Dale Junior Foundation, gotcha. we'll pick a random winner from those people. Auction of the auction to gloves. Right. <laughs> that's awesome. And I'm what I'm saying is that that group of people that's going to put in the five bucks is probably not a lot. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You probably have a pretty good chance. Right. So get on it, guys. Uh, Friday is coming up uh, soon. Okay, Chris, you're next. Um, yep, next is a tweet from iRacing congratulating um, fellow iRacers Justin Allgaier and Justin Haley on their wins this weekend. Uh, I believe, yeah, Justin won in a really awesome truck race if anybody if y'all caught that and then Allgaier um won in the Xfinity car but there was a, a couple of responses to this tweet saying that there's some iRacers saying they've never seen these guys on the sim <laughs> and well bumped into them I mean obviously they're I've them. seen Allgaier on I don't know about Haley yeah man and you're I think we're going to see more and more of this as you start seeing some of these younger guys that grew up with these things um you know, get into real life racing, you'll see more and more i racers that are out there winning real races. <laughs> Show me an, a, a winner who's not on i racing. I mean, maybe well, Martin Truex Jr. I mean, I don't think I remember seeing him there. Well, the thing is, I think you're, uh, even the ones that aren't here are probably using you know the simulators at the race shops. And right. from what Jr. was saying, you know, those simulators are. Uh, you know, or worse experience. iRacing has a better product, so why don't just you know, use the better product? Get you a nice rig. All right, Greg, you're next. 
<laughs> coming up. Uh, this one is kind of appropriate to talk about even after this, but uh, uh, Christopher Bell posted on or on his Twitter account, heading into too tough to tame this week uh, means plenty of iRacing time to prepare for a track I've never been to. Thankful for, uh, for such an accurate simulation. I probably should have read this tweet and done that this afternoon before I got in the race, but it's good to see, you know, them tweeting, you know, pumping up iRacing, saying they got an accurate simulation of uh, Darlington, and uh, he's going to be testing on it a lot this week. Yeah, and he always is always talking up iRacing, and I really do appreciate that from Christopher Bell. So uh, it's pretty cool that he takes the time to just mention that, you know, hey, this is how I'm getting ready. And he's done this throughout the year. Every time he uh, goes to a new track for him, I think he's tweeted, hey, I'm on iRacing, you know, practicing. Yeah, so speaking of Darlington, real quick, um, that place is obviously super tough. And um, what do you guys think about the iRacing? They're already taking a track that was super slick and then making it hotter to slow the cars down um, like they did uh, this week for NIS and, and moving our time from late afternoon to afternoon. Well, I don't. What I don't understand is why they just didn't. Why haven't they unlocked a gear? The the gear. You can yeah, you can I, run. You, you can run Watkins Glen in like or Sears or Sears Point or sorry Infineon, at any gear you want. Why can't you do? Why can't they do the gear rule at? Uh, or just change the rear end gear. Yeah, so that that would have made more sense to me, and I I didn't know what your input was because it seems like that would have made more sense than giving us the slicker track to slow the cars down change the gear or just unlock the gears and even in the fix setup just let us pick whatever gear we want well let me ask you this in the real nascar can they pick the gear yes okay then we should be able to do the same so i don't know the answer to that that's a good question but yeah they did do that they changed it and it fixed the problem i mean uh, in the races i have not hit the limiter but barely but before they changed it and it was a, a lot cooler track boy we were all over that limiter So also Christopher Bell, he was uh, signing autographs at the GameStop Expo at Indianapolis this week, uh, and uh, they were tweeting about his uh, 5700 I rating actually, and they had a simulator there, and they show him in the sim at the expo actually uh, doing some laps, and uh, pretty cool. They got a play seat set up there for him, and uh, and he's you know doing some laps. I can't tell about the wheel. It looks like a fan attack, maybe. Yeah, let me see here. But they got his race car. Uh, it's sitting there right behind him. His Xfinity ride, and with the GameStop uh, paint job and whatnot. So pretty cool. I don't think no. That's not a. I think that's a Thrustmaster. Oh. All right, well, let's jump into hardware, software. Uh, Tony, you're up first. Yeah. Um, so there's uh, Nicholas Bailey. Uh, sorry, guys. Uh, talking about the, the, the Netgear, uh, uh, you know, the routers, <laughs> the things that have been screwing up a lot. Um, so Nicholas Bailey uh, threw up a post on the forums uh, letting people know that he actually 
uh, put in a support ticket uh, with Netgear, and uh, he he wrote out a huge uh, write up of what what what's been going on, what's been reported, what they've been able to find out, um, and uh, there's been a couple of other people that have also posted and um, kind of let Netgear know that they had to you know move to another brand of router uh, to get around this problem um, but so far we, we there's been no response from Netgear on, on the forum and I don't think there's been any updates whether uh, from Nicholas Bailey whether they've um, answered the ticket at all and no, I don't think there's an update, but it's nice that he at least is trying to interface with Netgear to try to figure out what the issue is. So, anyway, a, a developing story. Hopefully, we'll learn more. Okay, next up is a uh, double fan wind kit. Uh, Greg, I think you might have found this post, but. Uh, Basically, it's this uh, website on Facebook called Nemesis Lab, and they did a post uh, this week showing a double fan wind kit, and uh, they called it Epic. Uh, they posted up some pictures of this thing, and they got some fans hooked up to some wires hooked into the computer, and it blows you know air on them, like obviously based on your speed, and uh, it gives you a you know a more immersion. What do you guys think of this? I could definitely use this just to keep me cooled down sometimes, but <laughs> I've this I've been following this Nemesis Lab. They have some really creative creations for their you know they've got a rig that they're building right now. Um, they've got all these other hardwares that they're trying to add into it, and it looks like you know they've they've got the right idea about trying to make an immersion immerse you into the simulator um, without. You know, I think some of their stuff too isn't, you know, doesn't break the bank to do it too. Yep. Yeah, I think I've seen these before, but uh, yeah, this is a, a new version of it. So I don't know exactly how to put it together too. I mean, how do you program it? That's the real thing. I'm guessing it's probably like anything like those, uh, you know, any of the rumble packs or things like that for the seats. It's probably its own software that has to run in behind. Or like iFlag. Yeah, it's it's all those things that just it's its own program and it uses data that's coming out of iRacing to convert it into whatever they needs to for the wind. Right. All right, Chris, you're next. Uh, next, we have a post from Michael Main, and uh, he's preparing us to get ready for almost anything from China to be more expensive. He's saying his next order from Abutto falls under the newest list tariff at 25%. That means on a $100,000 order from Abutto, we pay the U.S. an additional 25000 just to bring it in. He used to say, I know Trump means well, but this is the wrong way to go about it. U.S. manufacturers are unable and unwilling to produce Chinese-made goods at prices reasonable for U.S. consumers. U.S. workers are unwilling to work for the same wages, and rightly so in some aspects, as the cost of living is crazy high here, but still. It's only going to hurt American businesses and American consumers. Sorry, wanted to rant. Tony, I, I don't feel sorry for them, do you? Because uh, 25% is not bad compared to what our conversion rate is. It's like we're Canada, right? <laughs> Canada's in the 30% range. Wow. So, the yeah. way it's going. 
Welcome and to our world, boys. Yeah. yeah. And I try to stay as, as clear from politics as I can, but this kind of falls into the tech stuff um, that I do follow. And so basically what he's doing is trying to, to you know, force his hand against China, getting, uh, you know, trying to bully him around. And he's charging this huge tariff that's just only going to end up costing us money. And honestly, if you knew about a lot of the stuff that was manufactured in China, you don't, you wouldn't want it over here. I mean, a lot of these electronics are super poisonous, and like you don't want these factories in the states. But you know, it's Trump. So, <laughs> so yeah, Michael's basically saying, look, uh, you know, the consumer, be ready. You're going to be paying more for stuff that comes from China because of this situation. Yeah, exactly. So, he, so he's purchasing purchasing a lot a big order. He's getting a twenty five percent tariff on it that he's got to pay. You're probably going to be hit with like a thirty percent markup, or probably right. He's got to make money. His money, right? Yeah, he's passing on the cost. This is the guy you buy a butto from. This is yeah, the guy exactly. I bought my cockpit from and my brakes. Yeah, he can't. He can't eat that. I mean, yeah, you're going to pay for it. Well, you got to remember, and you know, excuse language, but shit always rolls downhill, and. When, when stuff like this happens, it's 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 always the little guy that ends up paying the final price, and it really, really sucks. Yep. Well, uh, long term, hopefully it'll work out, but short term, it might be painful, so hang in there. All right, Greg, what's next? Well, this is something that, you know, actually me and you, Mike, we've been following this last little week. I've been following it with all the YouTube stuff that's been going on, and also the um, the article's been read up, but Fanatics Podium Wheelbase First Impressions and their 20-year community event that they held, uh, was it month? What day was it? Was it last week? It was recently, like was, a couple I, days ago. I can't remember. I was I was following Matt Malone, and he was at it on YouTube and trying to see. Uh, he ne They never give a date of what the date was for it, but uh, I could have just missed it. But anyways, I've been following a lot of the impressions on the direct drive uh, one and two wheel that the or, uh, base that they've got coming out and the whole event that they had was, it was almost like a history lesson of Fanatec as well, because you got to see all their stuff from beginning to end. And then they compared against all their competitors at the event. They had a lot of YouTubers there. They had people, you know, investors, anybody that, you know, they were trying to get this, uh, you know, a quick, early preview out to their their customer base you know they they invited to that event a, a crazy video at the beginning they show at least a dozen sim rigs all lined up in a row and i'm not kidding when i say a dozen and then they have this other long table where they have all the different kinds of wheels uh, all lined up next to each other so you can do an a b comparison so to speak But, uh, man, what an event. And uh, Brian Sowen, who's a uh, uh, direct drive wheel guru from California, uh, did a, a fantastic post about his experience. He did go to the event. Uh, he did try all the wheels. He did a very long write-up about his whole, whole experience of going to Germany and whatnot. Uh, specifics about the testing that they did on the various wheels, his uh, impressions of each and what he thought about each uh, brand that was available there to try. 
uh, pros and cons uh, on each, and then final impression and final notes about his recommendations. Basically, he said that DD1 was good to go, um, a good value for the money compared to the others. That's the kind of way I read it. Well, and and this is a good jumping that the DD1 is a good jump from you know what most people that are you know are in the fanatic eco base they've already got their rims so if they have to they just got to purchase the base anyways that's why it's sold the way it is and i i read through this whole article the reviews and all the stuff he was doing i took a 30 minute break uh from my deliveries for work and you know thoroughly went through this when you posted this mike um on our messenger and, and i'm still trying to make sense of some of the numbers and compare some of the stuff to what I run with my Fanatic CLS, CSL Elite base, but you know, it's not anywhere close to these direct drive bases. I'm not even close sometimes with the 2.5. This isn't even close with the 2.5 base, but it, it's just as good to see the number numbers that are coming from it and what the uh, this you know the guru is you know feeling from each uh, different thing he cuts because they have. They got the direct drive uh, one wheel against uh, the large MIG from Sim Racing Bay. Um, there's the Fanatic DD2, um, and then there's the small MIG from Sim Racing Bay, um, AccuForce, and the Bogner 54G, and the CSW 2.5 to give it as a base. You know they were promoting one of their la their last generations before they went to direct drive. And, you know, just to see the comparison of, you know, old and new stuff, it, it, it's an interesting read of what um, Fanatic's done their research and, and worked around what the competitors have done and what they can get out of something at a, you know, a reasonably good price. Yeah, yep. I like what I'm seeing out of them. I think that uh, that DD1 is going to be my next wheel. I mean, it's not going to be for a long time. I have a list of upgrades before that, but it's a, a good wheel for a good price from what I'm seeing. I, I have to agree, Chris. I mean, after seeing uh, the article that Brian put up uh, about his impressions of the various wheels and his feedback on everything and watching this uh, video of the actual event and what the uh, – commentator on the video who's a different person i forget his name but he's also very knowledgeable on wheels and uh, he had a lot of input to say verbally in this video but after hearing all that i've always been on the fence of i would get an accuforce as my next wheel but now I, i'm i'm thinking dd1 even though i don't have anything fanatec you know i would get a dd1 right now with an oval wheel you know like a max pappas wheel with two button, you know, push to talk, and I'm good to go. And if you give me that, I would be happy. From what I've seen, I'm very impressed by this. So you guys uh, check out Gamer Muscle Videos on YouTube. It's all one word, Gamer Muscle Videos, all one word. Well, and Fnatic also has an oval wheel too, Mike. I don't know if you've ever looked into it. They have a big oval wheel too. Yeah, and that might be perfectly fine. But uh, after seeing the quick release and how that works and uh, they discussed how it was designed and all this stuff, I'm just very impressed. Well, and the nice thing is, is all their components are in the center of the wheel. There's no lines to hook up. I think the AccuForce, don't you have to hook up? Yeah, it's like um, a separate base thing you put off on the floor. 
Yeah, but it's it's got a, a tether that hooks into the wheel, right? Like the rim. Right. Because it gets. The oh yeah, brain. you got a coil. There's no brain inside the inside their the base, whereas Fnatic puts all their brain in the base. Right. Yeah, the included software is a pretty big deal too, because I've I've definitely looked into these a bit, trying to lay out my hardware path, I guess. And from most of the other wheels, it's going to take a decent amount of configuring and stuff to get these things going. And that so that the software that comes with it, it's a pretty big deal. You know, they just kind of glaze over it. And and my impression on the software side was, the Fanatec DD1 software is easy to use and. Basically, you can almost plug and play. Yeah, and like I said, that's a, that's a pretty big deal for me because I spent, uh, you can spend, I mean, hours or days trying to get your wheel set up right. Well, and now that um, I've now got, an, I've got three rims for my Fnatic, going between them and not, and because Fnatic comes with uh, five different settings that you can set in the base, so, you know, my first setting is ovals, my second setting is road, and you can have all your settings set the way you want them to be. And you don't have to worry about, um, you know, retuning it each time you got to go into something. Like today, I was testing on the road, quickly got ready for the NIS race, and switched over to my other rim and didn't have a problem. Yeah, the AccuForce is what you're talking about. That's the one that you have to, you could spend days dialing in because they got 5 million settings. Well, and he wrote that in the article too. That um, some of the some of the stuff when you're uh, the default for AccuForce was okay, but you know he said he could spend up to 500 laps trying to get it dialed in. Right. And well. That also, oops. Keep going. No, go ahead. I was just going to move on to the other thing that I was going to talk about this week, but if you got a thought there, just go. Well, there was one more component of this story uh, I did want to miss. David Tucker put up on his personal YouTube, YouTube page, so you'd have to search David Tucker, a updated video uh, showing the Fanatec GT3 uh, wheel uh, with uh, knob support. And so he's going to release in the September build a some functionality that will help those knobs for that particular wheel well and speaking of that so if anybody wants to go to my twitch page right now i'm holding up that exact rim because that's the rim i just purchased um it's uh so if you want to go to my twitch it's uh frozen or twitch.tv slash frozen cactus frozen with two o's and cactus with two k's um i'll show you in the picture here what he's talking about too um each uh the wheel comes with um, four buttons on each side plus two little triggers that you know are good for um, hitting for push the talk and then it's got four not or three knobs the knobs the two top knobs um, are clicked to settings so they have 12 different settings each so you have each time you click it once you can it can all eight of those buttons on the wheel can be mapped to something different you click it to two all of those eight become something. Click it to three, all those eight can be something. So it could be like your relative boxes, you know, yeah. your F3 box, your F4. So my, so when I was getting, when I first tested with the uh, Audi R8, I put the left one on the, um, on the screen here when I'm showing, 
I changed it to all my F boxes. So click one is F one, two, three, four, all the way through it. And I just have to switch it to go back to go through everything. On the other dial, I have, so like on the R, Audi R8, um, position one was brake bias. So brake bias, I have it in position one. I hit the B button. I'm going to change these knob buttons because you can change, they're interchangeable. But um, B is increase brake bias. Uh, a is decrease it. I move it to setting two. It could be uh, on the, those cars, it could be the regenerative uh, system. So in, increase the amount of energy you want to store and decrease it on the right side. The other thing I found it was nice for was, uh, what car was it? Uh, I'm thinking it was the, I think I was doing the IMSA. I was doing the Chevy Corvette uh, prototype car. Um, it had front and rear um, brake bias, or not brake bias setting, but um, settings for the suspension. So in position two, um, on the left side here, at Y and X on my, on, my, on my wheelbase, or on the wheel, I can change the front. And on the right side of it, I can change the, the back in position two and then switch to another setting. There's probably, I, I haven't counted and seen the actual amount of how many button settings there are, but if iRacing's creating a, a, a tool where just switching these buttons goes directly to it and you can see it on the screen or whatever, whatever this thing was that you're showing, I haven't watched this video that you put up there, Mike, I just noticed it. But I even noticed on this rim the with it has the dual clutch um the dual clutch on this rim is very handy when it comes to those starts uh i did it the first one i tried it on was the skip barber which is a standing start which i didn't notice a very big difference but then on the um radical i was able to on my first radical race i gained two positions going into the first corner just by launching with the dual clutch on the back so where you lift so with the dual clutch, you charge one side up, you turn the knob on the steering wheel, which I'll explain this when I do my review more in thoroughly with it, but you, you turn it to where the car starts rolling and then you let it out and it shows on the screen where your bite point is. And then when you're starting, you hold them both, put it in gear and you let off one side, it starts rolling and then you slowly let the other side off and you launch faster. And, and that's what I noticed when I first use it. So this rim here is helping me on the the roadside i'm going to do a further review and post it on my youtube and twitch um down the road here i'm going to start shooting it it, soon. it sounds complicated it is but it's if you can get figuring it out um i felt i went with my first time using it i went in the lamar audi i went a second faster already just with not having to worry about all the settings because it has some the buttons that I needed to worry about everything. So, you know, I don't know if it was just me because of different rim and t temperatures and things like that. I didn't notice, but I was like a second faster right off the bat with it. But it also is with an F1 type steering wheel like it is, you can wrap your arms differently for road racing than you can with an oval wheel. Right. And, and it, and it turns better. So I've really enjoyed for the price point that that rim is, priced at and working with fanatic and stuff like that that i can't beat having that as my road rim for from right from now on so i'm I, I look forward to trying it out in the next you know week here i'm off next week on holidays so i'm gonna get a lot more testing on it and probably shoot my video my review so look for that i'll we'll bring it up here on the 
podcast, I'm sure, at some point again. Yeah, it's very configurable for sure. Um, you know, obviously, David Tucker is uh, changing iRacing to fully suit all the functionality of this wheel. I think your new rim sucks. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's keep moving. Tony, you're next. Oh, yes. Uh, <laughs> didn't even look at this one here. It's Mouse Without Borders. Um, nice little program if you're running more than one computer. It allows you to... Uh, well, to, to use your mouse um, seamlessly, like just like you would with multi-screens, uh, move it from one computer to the other. Um, it, uh, it's, it's, it's a free download. You go right to the Microsoft website, and you can get it from there. It's called Mouse Without Borders. Um, I don't currently use it. I know you use it. Uh, you're still using it, Mike. Um, yep. Now, I, I had to stop because I found that uh, when I had stuff full screen across all three screens and I went too far to one side or the other, it would uh, just boot me right out of um, it, it. It would boot me out of the full screen. And um, oh, uh, yeah, that ten, that, that just kind of got a little annoying for me. But there um, I found a, a piece of hardware, Logitech mouse, uh, the newer ones. Um, they're kind of pricey at this moment, but they allow you to do the same thing without um, any, uh, I'm not too sure what kind of software, but I imagine just regular, you know, Logitech drivers right. for that specific mouse, but it allows you to do the same thing, work between, um, work between computers with just the one uh, USB hub, the uh, plug-in that they use, or Bluetooth plug. And, uh, but it'll also allow you to, to copy and paste files between the two computers, and I found that part quite yeah. interesting. But, you know, if you don't want to spend $100 on a mouse, Mouse Without Borders, um, you know, it, it does work very well. Um, minus just the, the small little annoyances that I had found with, uh, you know, kicking you out of full screen. Yeah, I'm running in windowed mode, so I don't think I have that issue. I, I use it all the time because I have two computers here in my setup. And uh, only one keyboard and mouse, obviously. And so uh, this is our yearly reminder about this for some new people. If you have two computers, you might want to check out Mouse Without Borders. All right, let's jump into uh, results. Uh, let's talk. It was off week last week, so we only got Darlington, which we ran uh, yesterday and to earlier today. So let's talk Wednesday Fixed. Wow, I got a P3, guys, P3, and it's not a restrictor plate. I can't believe it. Uh, it was a great run. I even led some laps at some point. I was legitimately leading, too. Uh, anyway, with the top five all day, I actually got wrecked at one point. It was a 1 minute 30 seconds damage. I got it all fixed. I was back at 24th, 25th, or whatever. Made it clear back up to P3, so I loved it. Yeah, that's Best a hell run. of a run. Yeah, hell of a run, Mike. This track is so bloody hard. Yeah, uh, safe, particularly at Darlington. Yeah, <laughs> it felt good. I mean, uh, and I backed it up uh, in the later race. We'll talk about that in a second. Tony Rochette ran with me. He was in a different split, but he got a P8. Uh, he did have connection issues where his uh, computer was disconnecting from the internet. Uh, he missed a start. Uh, he had a. Uh, it was third lap out, uh, wrecked in front of him. He tried to thread the needle, ended up with front-end damage, and uh, it was 15 cautions. There were only six cars on the lead lap in his event. But he got a P8 after all that, you know, missing the start and being wrecked. Still had a top 10. 
And then uh, last night, Chris, uh, you were running third, and you got P blown up. <laughs> yeah, it was a good race up till then. Other than um, I actually started third, too, and spun my tires right there at the start of the race, which sucked. But luck through it, didn't get wrecked, and had a pretty good race up till then. And I said I was running third, and there was a lapped car that shouldn't even been on the track. He was destroyed and just bouncing it off the wall pretty much around the track. And he hit the leader, and then he gets spun around, and instead of holding his brakes, he comes sliding up the track into, into the hole that I thought I was going to make it up through by the wall. But I'm destroyed again, and another bad, another bad week to start. Yeah, I was also running good. I had a, a top five going. I was leading laps. Uh, you, just like you were, we were both running up front. Uh, and then on a restart, I don't know what it was, but all of a sudden these guys were all over me. I was leading and then the second place guy came by and kind of roughed me up. And then the third guy came by and hit me from behind, basically, uh, wrecked me out. Engine blew up shortly after. So I P21 and then Tony, you had a P22. Oh yeah. Yeah. Boy, did I ever feel like a fish out of friggin' water. Um, that track is, like like I'd already said, it is so friggin' hard, and I had a hard time wrapping my head around it. Um, I mean, I was getting around well enough, um, extremely slow. Um, I was kind of, I was, I was mid-pack uh, for the race that I had done up to that point, um, and I don't know if I, I would have had anything more than that going throughout the run but i ended up getting wrecked and i thought it was uh you know fairly minimal um to an extent uh, a couple minutes worth of damage so i came in and got about half of it uh fixed up and decided to uh to get back out on track and and try to save something and i got about three quarters of the way down pit road my motor blew and we were already past the halfway point at that race so i just i just parked it called it quits Yep. It's tough out there, I tell you what. Uh Greg, you found that out today. Uh you got DQ'd out. I didn't get DQ'd out. I DQ'd myself out. <laughs> so nobody did it but myself. That was all on me. I uh a lot of two X's there and I got a one four X because somebody slowed down in the middle of the track and I squared him up right in the back. It shouldn't have been a four X, but it was and I just Turn three and four, I couldn't seem to get slowed down and turn through the corner enough, and that's what cost me a bunch of the time, and that's my own fault for not practicing like I should have, and it's been a been a tough week at work, so I didn't get much time to practice, and I probably shouldn't have just run that race at all, but uh, I didn't expect to be also in the top split or only have one split because only 34 cars entered into uh, today's race for the afternoon one. Yeah, I missed it. I had to go to the dentist, and... Uh... There was only one split. I was watching you for a while before you got DQ'd there. But, uh, yeah, I mean, just hit the wall is really tough there. I mean, you got to stay off the wall. Well, I know you had had a little bit of practice earlier in the week, but I think you were practicing on a cooler track. And I really think that's the difference that 10 degrees makes there. Under 100 degrees and that 110 degrees, man, makes just a huge difference on, on the grip and the track. And you just can't get in there like you, like you can when it was just a little bit cooler. Well, and I was trying a different setup earlier on in the week and never went to this setup until today, and I probably should have done more laps on it. So that was that was yeah. on me. 
Yeah, I worked with uh, Steve Llewellyn a little bit today trying to teach him the line. And you got to know the line here. I mean, if you're just going out there for the first time, you don't know where to go. You won't figure it out. You need somebody to tell you or you need to watch somebody do it. But uh, let's keep moving. We're running out of time. Uh, next up is uh, Mike Conti wins the peak race, his first win of the season. Uh, and then as far as the NASCAR Ignite Youth Series, it's a second consecutive win for Garrett Lowe. So congratulations to him. Let's jump to final thoughts. Chris Scales, what do you got? I want to thank uh, John Hammer, as you mentioned, uh, about the guys having to teach you the track at Darlington. He taught me and Tony um, early in the week how to get around this place, and I would probably still be driving it wrong if it wasn't for that help. And I um, also want to thank the Old Bastards Racing League. I, I have my permanent number now. I'm number 24, which is an awesome number. I'm not a huge Jeff Gordon fan, but we have respect to that number. You are now. Willie Byron. <laughs> Yeah, he has a lot of good paints. Well, they like running like the 80s, 90s stuff. So oh. it'll be, so, yeah, the, the Gordon stuff. He has lots of good paint. So looking forward to running with that. Didn't get a run with him this week. I had planned on running uh, the Xfinity car on Saturday and had a breaker blow in my house, the same one that was on the wall for my rig <laughs> Friday night. And then was planning on running the um, K&N cars Monday and my the, the motor in my real life car blew up. So. Miss that one too, but I'll see those guys for the Xfinity race Saturday. Wow. All right. Greg Hectus, final thoughts. Uh, just looking forward to this week and next week I'm off, so I'm probably going to get a bunch of uh, racing in. So I hope to be doing that. I got to, got to keep testing out this new rim and uh, that I got from Fanatic, and uh, hopefully I can. Uh, get a review out and let people know, you know, what I think of it and what it's done for, you know, my roadside. Cause my roadside is pretty much what I've been focusing on, um, the last little while. Uh, but, uh, I look forward to this week. Like I said, every week, anybody wants to uh, watch or see what the team's doing. Um, you can watch me on frozen, uh, twitch.tv slash frozen cactus, frozen with two O's cactus with two K's. Um, and you can follow me on all social networks that way. Um, you obviously got the iRacers Lounge and Team Tafosi page. Each week I post going around a track, the track as well, um, giving somewhat of a, a a quick look at the track and a preview for the week. So I usually put that up Sunday, late Sunday night, early Monday morning. So I look forward to this week. And uh, next week we're at the uh, Brickyard for the 400. Long race. Boy, that's full distance, too. Yuck. All right. Well, thanks, Greg. Uh, Tony Groves, final thoughts. Yeah, I'm going to shadow Chris a little bit here and send out another, you know, a huge thank you to uh, Mr. John Hammer. Um, I'm exactly in the same boat as Chris. I, I'd, I'd still be bouncing off every single wall along that track if it weren't for him, um, you know, offering up some, uh, some tips and tricks on how to get around that track. Um, and as well, Chris has been uh, on me uh, pretty hard about uh, uh, look at looking and getting into the uh, the Bastards Racing League. So I'm uh, I'm 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 think I'm ready to drop the hammer on that one. Yeah, because you're an old Fun. bastard too, my friend. <laughs> yeah, we were telling Flowers he wasn't qualified because he wasn't old enough. Yeah, yeah. Um, Just a baby. <laughs> Does that so, make me a bigger baby? It's a big, 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 big Canadian baby. 
At least I'm not the youngest Canadian. <laughs> All right. Well, cool, Tony. Uh, thanks for that. Uh, my final thoughts is, uh, boy, it's been fun. I've been racing the last uh, couple weeks or so with a human spotter, an old ex-teammate uh, who's come on to, to uh, spot for me. And he's doing a fantastic job. And I've been telling my teammates, I think it's making a difference in my performance. Uh, I can't explain why I'm running top five at, at Darlington. Uh, I usually don't run that well on non-restrictor plates, but uh, maybe it's because I'm in a lower split because my eye rating has fallen a little bit. I don't know, but I really think it has to do with the spotter. Um, and I think the quality of the spotter is, is a big part of it too. So I'm really enjoying that. Uh, looking forward to more of that as we go through uh, the next uh, weeks. So uh, all off weeks are over for the season. Uh, we're done with off weeks until the end. And so uh, we got Indy, and then we got the playoffs, 10 more. And so I'm ready, man. Let's get it. And with that, we'll see you later. Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast. Make sure to go subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.